It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down I was born. Hello and welcome back to another episode of American Loser. My name is KP Burke. I am your host. It is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place, bringing you weird tales from American history. With me as always, my Delph of a dad, Lawrence Patrick. What do you want to say to the people at home? Hey, people at home. How are we doing today? It's it's all good here. It's uh, Life is good. Life and is good. Where are we, dad? Just like <laughs> Where else know. could we be but a shared universe studio? In Eatontown, New Jersey. Where Mike and Ming are taking great care of us. Uh, Mike just made his appearance, so the, uh, the theory that he is actually dead and just having a weekend of Bernie's type thing with Ming going on right now. Oh, yeah, he's right. He's coming any minute yeah, now. and actually during the daytime, too. I mean, it wasn't like uh, you know, by the light of the moon or anything. We, Ooh, we now saw him right there. a tie-in, too, because he was on our episode about... Bram Stoker. That's it. Dracula. Mm -hmm. See, that's just the magic I bring to the table. (laughs) And you listeners already know who that silky smooth voice belongs to. None other than behind the ones and twos, the big kahuna in the building. What's going on, gentlemen? Uh, Well, you guys know the deal. Um, It's American Loser and uh, KP's working construction again because comedy's back. I've got to announce a couple of shows towards the very end of this episode, but going to be back on the road with Bobby Kelly. Have been already. Life's good that way. It's pretty nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm working construction again, so uh, I'm covered in sheetrock dust legitimately and came straight from work to record this very episode for the good people. I mean, it, it, honestly, it's for everyone. This is the last of the free episodes for the month of May. That's it. Dad, you want to explain to the listeners how it works at home? Uh, no, I'm going to let you uh, take care of all of that, but uh, you're, you're the you're the finance guy. So, But we do have an announcement of a reduction in rate. <laughs> Not a reduction. You say Grab reduction while in rate. You can. Reduction in rate based off of the loser we're going to be talking about today makes it sound like uh, me <laughs> yeah. going back to my Navy days and I just got in trouble. <laughs> Captain's mast. <laughs> but yes, so this is the, uh, you get three free episodes a month. That's the new way we're having to do the structure because I just don't have the time to write a good episode uh, for just the, uh, the, the good old people over the founding losers so if you want to enjoy three free episodes a month feel free to do so if you want to join them for that fourth episode a month uh essentially it just boils down to a dollar a show and then you get the last one for free it's three dollars that's all we're asking for you you want to donate more want to you know do something else for the show there's two tiers it's the three dollar tier that gets you just the bare minimum your extra episode for the month so that way you're not missing out on a tuesday and if you decide to jump up to the $5 a month, you get merch and the chance to vote on other things. we got some a couple other interesting uh, gimmicks Absolutely. coming up down the line Absolutely. over here. But life is good, and we got to give these people their last free episode. So next week on Tuesday, if you don't jump over to the Patreon and join up with us, you're going to be lonely. All right? You're going <laughs> to have right. to find some other crazy podcast out there to listen to. It's a hard out. It's a hard knock life for those listeners. That's it. <laughs> It but is you can truth. avoid the hard knocks for three bucks. I mean, you know, come it's on. It's literally the price of a coffee, people. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, again, it boils down to it. It's uh, $3 it's the, a month. You're getting, it's a dollar a show, and then you get a fourth one for free. Why That's put a it. gallon of gas in your car when you could just help support this show? <laughs> yeah, uh, we're accepting Dogecoin now, too, which oh, is that's... important to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm excited about today's loser because he's, uh, I, I have a couple things in common with him. I have a couple things very, very not in common with him. All right. But he's pretty much a guy 
I'll say this one. We're going to prep it for the Kahuna here. He's got a movie not made about him, but that he's a starring. Uh, he really steals the movie. I'll say that much. He's a supporting player in his own movie. Yeah, he's uh, he's who the movie should have been made about, and then for some reason they decided to you know invent some fake uh, some fake Ben Affleck, uh, Josh Hartnett character stories and. Kahuna's figuring out where we're going. Oh, he's, he leaned in. He leaned in. <laughs> Wait a minute. What are and we... squinted the eyes. He's like, it's... he's thinking hard now. Well, don't hurt yourself. Yeah, you see the smoke coming out the yeah, ears. Don't hurt yourself. Here's how you know that uh, you're a loser. This is why we're going to uh, qualify this guy as a loser today is because he has seen his story told in Hollywood, but the movie kind of sucks. So I'll ask you this. <laughs> how does a kid from Waco, Texas make the news, Dad? I mean, short of David Koresh, how does one stand out? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Little Branch Davidian action for you here. So in comes our boy, Cook Third Class, Doris Miller. A lady loser, you say, Cahoons? No, no, this uh, loser is named after the midwife that birthed him. That's right, it's a he, or at least until uh, he decided to use the he pronouns. I mean, this is back in the World War II era. There was no there was no uh, right. uh, two-spirited gender or whatever you want to call it. He's but, not a free spirit. No, uh, well, he's a very much a free spirit, uh, and he's... He's larger than life. I'm going to say that much about him. Yeah, it, it's really hard to portray um, our topic today as a loser. It's really the loser to me is the, the times, the, the the surroundings around him. He's no loser, but we've had a the couple times of those. were certainly losers. That you know, on on Kahuna's uh, scale of loserdom, uh, he's he's nowhere near anywhere near the. Does, Some of the other scoundrels that we've had on. Does this he kind of rate 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 in the area of like the state electrician, or, <laughs> or, where he's like just doing his job? No, he's an out and out uh, Smedley Butler kind of a guy. This guy's oh, a he's total an American, American hero, hero, which oh, which man. is also, I think, very appropriate with Memorial Day coming up at the end of the month. That uh, here we have a uh, a Navy veteran that is certainly. Um, um, greater than what he has been painted as. Thank you, Dad. That's very nice of you to say to your son who served in the Navy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We're talking about Dory Miller here. And, uh, well, this man, uh, he does get a movie made about him and yet still qualifies as a loser. And uh, how does one do that exactly? Well, for starters, you can be born in Waco, Texas. In addition, you can also be the first black kid to win the Navy Cross. You can also win the Purple Heart and a combat action ribbon. In short, you can be as bad a motherfucker as Dory Miller because his name was, in fact, Doris Miller. So that's uh, your boy named Sue kind of action going on over here. He was uh, named after the the um, midwife who birthed him, like we said. So like, oh, they thought it was going to be a girl. Yeah, his mother was absolutely certain that she was going to be having a, a, a girl child and uh, turned out, that <laughs> no, not so much. But uh, still gave him the name of the the, mid, the first name of the midwife that helped uh, helped in the birthing of that. Boy. How quickly do you think he came up with? Hey, we're gonna go by Dory. Yeah, I think Dory's. Well, the there's one. various speculations as to why he changed it, whether it was a, a typo uh, or or whatever. But uh, uh, it's kind of like a boy named Sue kind of a thing. He certainly uh, had a hard knock life. I like to think that some of the people who uh, he would play against in. Uh, High school football later on in Texas would sit there and say, "I'm not calling him Doris. I'm not going to tell people I just got trucked by <laughs> right, right. By, to by Doris. Doris. <laughs> right, right, right." But uh, today's loser is born on October 12, 1919, to Connery and Henrietta Miller of Texas. At the time of his birth, he was thought to be a girl, hence the unlikely badass name of Doris. 
being made into a reality. Uh, he would become known as Dory. A lot of people say that might have come from like his uh, – obviously the guy's going to wind up in the Navy at some point. Uh, we keep talking about that part. So I think it was some of his shipmates that he kind of used it as like his nickname kind of a thing. So um, he's a fascinating guy though. Good kid. Uh, worked on the family farm and uh, whooped some ass on the gridiron. I mean that is a Texas tradition. Texas and Florida yeah, are they, two hotbeds for football. Absolutely. And again, a little of the zeitgeist of the time too. Now, he was born in uh, 1919. And at that particular time, our nation was – really at the, uh, the height of uh, some of the most brutal lynchings at the time. And Waco, Texas, his hometown, um, had a great notoriety as to um, what went on in Waco just three years prior to his birth. Um, as I said, is a lynching epidemic. The Birth of a Nation, the film, came out in 1915, which drove a huge uptick in KKK and uh, the uh, the whole Southern uh, facade or uh, fallacy of uh, the times of are the not Confederacy. on his side. Right. The times are certainly not on his time. And as I say, only since three we years- don't have a Jersey tie in for anything else, I will say this fun fact about birth of a nation. It was shown in the White House. Okay, by the president. Right. And to be fair, at the time, it was a modern marvel, because imagine seeing the first movie. So that was kind of... But in the movie, the Ku Klux Klan are the heroes that yeah. come to uh, go after the, uh, the, the evil. Screened at the White House. Yep, right. screened at the White House. Screened at the White House. By what president? You want to take one wild guess? Woodrow Wilson. And who was he, the governor of... No, Joyce. See? We're not even catching Kahuna by surprise. Uh, he, he knows not. that. He, he knows also, that. Also, it's a <laughs> guess either... Teddy Roosevelt or New Jersey. That's yeah. typically the rules around here. <laughs> but as I was saying, uh, three years before um, Doris Miller or Dory Miller was born, uh, there was a, a very famous lynching that took place in Waco, Texas, where a 17-year-old uh, African-American by the name of uh, Jesse Washington was uh, tried and convicted and then lynched and burned alive on the lawn of City Hall. So... The area was not noted for uh, getting along with one another, for sure. Um, as a matter of fact, the high school that he went to was also a segregated high school. He went to an all-black high school because there just wasn't any uh, segregation uh, or anti-segregation going on. This was completely separate, but certainly not equal. Well, the school he went to was uh, A.J. Moore. He uh, played for the A.J. Moore football team. That's uh he was actually the fullback on that team here. And uh, like we said, a good kid works on a family farm, plays fullback. And that's, that's by the way, if you want to talk about a position that uh, has, it's no longer as appreciated as it could be in the NFL. I mean, that used to be the tough yardage thing. That was guys who looked like refrigerators coming at you full speed. You know? Yeah, we're, we're in full uh, leatherhead, uh, leatherhead uh, mode at this point in time. Yeah, you can't football. spell uh, cute without CTE. Remember that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why he gave himself the name Dory. He was so fucking big. I was waiting for you to be like, because uh, he hit his head playing football, and then he doesn't remember where he's from all the time. Hey, I'm Dory. Hey, I'm Dory. <laughs> hey, I'm Dory. <laughs> I appreciate that reference. <laughs> I, I, I sat there. I was like, how is he not doing this? I mean, it's Kahuna. It's Kahuna <laughs> supposed to be connecting these dots. you know what it was? It was like, one, I haven't watched that movie in so long, <laughs> and two... It wasn't as obvious as you were going to say. I was making more of a size comparison, but then it was like, oh, I see where KP's going yeah. with this. He had the better joke. It's Name, all good. Name's Dory. 
<laughs> but Dory is a fascinating young man here. Uh, he actually uh, becomes an avid squirrel hunter and worked on the family farm because he wound up having to drop out of school in order to help the family out. Um, I have a question. Hit me. When does it, like, when is that okay? Like, he's, like, it's said so proudly there. He's an active squirrel hunter. Meanwhile, if that was someone else, that's a sign of some trouble. It, uh, no, I think that's more weirder. of a that's more of a survival thing too. Really? By okay. Shooting, shooting a squirrel that you're putting meat in the pot. Well, a throwback loser reception to Annie Oakley that Annie was uh, such a good shot uh, that she was taking down uh, squirrels and became uh, the meat proprietor, if you will, to a lot of hotels and you know uh, restaurants right. and stuff. Yep. Proprietor, I thought worked too. Well, proprietor Prov- is selling and purveyor is providing it. Ah. But she was selling the meat to them. So. Okay, but. <laughs> Never mind. I don't know. We're getting, we're getting hung up on. Mm, let us know in the comments. P words. Speaking of hard peas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll say this. So uh, he is hunting an act, an avid squirrel hunter, I will say. And this one threw me for a loop here. Uh, I don't, I don't, I had to not learn too much about this because apparently back in the day, Cahoons, you could do what Dory did and partake in a taxidermy class uh, via correspondence. I already do that. I'm a puppeteer. It's <laughs> correspondence and taxidermy and puppetry. I mean, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's all the same shit. We make shit wiggle. Okay. <laughs> make it look lifelike. <laughs> Let's wiggle some dolls. But imagine that it's correspondence taxidermy, where it's if you get your project wrong or if you you know forget to maybe put it in a box of uh, dry ice or something like that. It's just a melted squirrel guts inside an envelope, and they're like, God damn it, this Dory Miller guy is a problem. <laughs> That's it. So you were talking about it being a sign of uh, trouble to come here. It's actually one of the cooler things about his whole life. But uh, Dory is a fascinating guy. He winds up attempting to join up with a this weird outfit known as the Civilian Conservation Corps, a.k.a. the CCC, but he was denied. So there is a huge chance that that was going to be based off the color of his skin. Uh, I, I would say that that's absolutely, yeah, for, absolutely. Spe- spe- yeah, specifically for the times. But for those who don't know, Dad... The CCC is the Civilian Conservation Corps, but what the hell is it? Uh, it was a uh, public works uh, relief program. Again, we're in hard times. We're in the Depression. Um, by the time Dory is, uh, you know, late teens, and uh, there's no work. It's one of the reasons why he had to drop out of high school to go back and help um, help Dad and his brothers on the family farm. Um, it was a Roosevelt proposal, um, and that wouldn't be Teddy Roosevelt, that would be Franklin Delano Roosevelt, that he had a similar program while he was governor of New York where they would, uh, the government would hire on young men um, to help work various public works. There's a lot of state and federal parks that benefited from the uh, Civilian Conservation Corps. Now, it sounds like it's a really great program, and it was. Um, Nobody could find work. You could apply for this. And uh, you would go work in these various uh, camps. They would provide you with a shelter, clothing, food, and they would, uh, together with a wage of about $30 a month, which today would be equivalent in uh, 2021 money, about $600 a month. And then part of that um, would be, would have to be sent back home. So not only are the taken away from the family one more mouth that had to be fed this guy's now providing for his family by sending money back home but it was initially it was only for um uh, single guys 
uh, of a certain age group, and then it was expanded later on. But uh, you had to go through a review board in no, order to I'm become eligible. Right. <laughs> right, but um, because of the uh, solid South uh, white Democrats in Congress, uh, you know, the Southern Democrats at that point r- ruled what used to be the Confederacy uh, lockstep that you, if you were black, first of all, you wouldn't be able to vote. You weren't allowed into any kind of politics and you would have to go before um, different Democrats at the time, by the way, people, it's, 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 it's uh, almost reversed. Absolutely. It's, it's reversed that um, the uh, blacks were excluded from participating if you were in a southern uh, southern uh, black, you were excluded from uh, any participation in this civilian conservation corps. I mean, the guy who led this thing, who was appointed by Franklin Delano Roosevelt, was a guy by the name of Robert Fetcher. And uh, he was the first director of the whole CC. And he happened to be a Tennessee boy and um, absolutely forbade um, whites and blacks working together, even in the northern states. They were completely segregated. Um, uh, the only and there was no um, blacks in any kind of uh, major leadership roles in any of the camps, um, due to by this guy uh, Fechner's uh, uh, directive, if you will. So, although it was an opportunity for a lot of people to actually provide for them family and, and survive, um, it was uh, a it was exclude exclude blacks African Americans were excluded from the program for the most part in any of the southern states. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> bottom line, Dory didn't have an opportunity in the CCC. No, he didn't. And uh, uh, there's a, a million weird things to talk about. Again, we're trying to to break down the the uh, the time frame here. Okay, so it's a little bit of that whole zeitgeist thing. There's a million things going on. And it gets uh, some people have asked me this before, why we don't, because obviously we try to do something every Black History Month to cover uh, you know, African-Americans and, and their uh, unique place in American history. But it also is not necessarily a great look to have uh, 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 you know, two Irish guys sitting here, or three Irish guys technically. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> three Irish guys sitting there uh, calling an African-American a loser you know, from uh, back in the pages of history. So for the time frame... Uh, this guy's story actually winds up mimicking uh, one of. We did a great episode a while back on the first uh, Black Medal of Honor winner. There's the debate whether it was this William Harvey Carney guy from uh, Glory, right, or if it was uh, this other guy who was like I forget what his name was, but he kind of was a borderline Superman that disappeared into the night, a little bit like our boy Dory Miller's going to here. So because there's a million things, cause, and it's um and it's not I, I'm not calling you out or anything on this one goes but there is always that thing people say where like oh yeah they just switch sides now right so it's a, the democrats used to be bad now they're good bad is good it's There's, more to it than that but like oh, in, yeah. in a general covering of it like face value that is kind of what the situation is you have to go to uh it, it's i don't like that because it always annoys me because there's no nuance to it um because there's a weird thing that uh, this one threw me down the weirdest wormhole ever uh, the girl from Ireland that I was dating back at the time, she was from, I won't say where she's from, but the team, the soccer team from that region was known as the Lily Whites. And I threw it a quick Google to find out what that meant in Irish culture. And I went down to Lily Whites American culture. And the Lily Whites was, this was a legit thing that happened. The first public office holders 
uh, to be African-American in the United States were all Republican. There was this huge Republican renaissance with, with black people holding uh, uh, office and everything like that. You have members of the U.S. House of Representatives, all those. And then the Lily Whites was uh, within the Republican Party then that pretty much kicked out everybody who ever like, – like, no, we're not letting this happen. They were essentially – you want to talk about uh, a white power type idea here? They were coming through there and they essentially forced out – using fear and all these other you know terrible methods uh probably sometimes violence being sure. on the table too maybe some burning of houses maybe some crosses in the front line and scared the uh you know black people from even having any association with the party and the whole thing was this lily whites was to take the party back and it wow. was like so there, there's some that's why it always annoys me because then it's like you got to really read this shit and you're like hang on andrew jackson did what and he t- who said this and right so it's it gets to be a, this crazy there's not a thing. one-line answer to any yeah. of that stuff no. though they but, just flip-flopped in in 30 or 40 oh, years but the time. definite no. thing here is that for this uh this weird um goofy time frame in history uh you're gonna see that there's a couple of the dumbest things we've ever done number one being uh it, I mean, you got black troops fighting in the American Civil War, right? So the William Harvey Carnell, that's going to be something where you're like, holy shit, it took until the Civil War for this to happen. Then you're going to get into World War II where it's like, dude, this is hard times in America, all hands on it. The Great Depression's going on and you're going to exclude a guy based off his skin color right. from joining a, a literally a government reform program that, that kind of mimics uh, work for welfare kind of a thing. You know, because that, that's uh, FDR always gets shit on all the time for that program, too, because there's communists that say he stole from communism and he fucked it all up. And there's people that sit there and look at FDR and be like, man, he really was a commie, wasn't he? So yeah. no one's happy with this program. Right. So it gets to be chaos on that one. I will say this, though. I want to uh, uh, just to give you the frame here. Coons, how tall are you? Uh, six foot four. Ooh, you are actually an inch taller than Dory Miller. Get out of here. You are yep. an inch taller. Yep. yep. So he's, that's wild. He's the same height as my dad then. That's a big strapping boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, at uh, six foot three and about 200 pounds of uh, pure whoop ass, uh, this farm boy from Texas would leave his father's farm at age 20 and uh, join up with the United States Navy. And due to, again, like we said, we wanted to set the, the, the table here, if you will, the segregation of the time. Uh, black sailors were only allowed to choose from a few ratings. So nowadays, if you go to join the military, uh, you take a test, and they say, hey, based off your score on this test, these are the things that are available to you. And if you didn't score high enough for something, you could sit there and say, well, let me study and then come back and take it again. I had a lot of friends that had their hearts set on something here. Now imagine being Dory Miller, and you're like, hey, so uh, I've got all this experience. I'm a pretty good shot. I can do some taxidermy. I worked on a farm. I'm pretty kick-ass. I played fullback in high school. And it's like, oh, cool. Uh, so you're black, right? That means you're a cook. That's pretty right. much what it was. They had a very narrow path for what they were allowed to get. And by the way, they've actually spun no, that around. You would have to come up a grade, become cook. You were mess attendants. Yeah. Mess attendants. So you were serving the officers' mess. Which is hilarious because now, uh, I forget what they called it, um, but when you go to a ship, they make you do that. That's part of like you're paying your dues is that you wind up being uh, serving the officers or the chief's mess or something like that. So that gets to be weirder. And I also did notice this in my time in the military, uh, culinary specialist or the, the, the rating that would be the cooks kind of a thing. Um, that there's like a whole black culture ingrained with that whole thing where it's, it's like a, a badge of honor because like, oh, my, my grandfather was a cook in the Navy, that kind of a thing. So it becomes there's a lot of tradition built into that, too, which does it come from a good place. No, no. but I kind of like that they sat there. But they, like, they took it back in the sense where it's like we make, make us absolutely. proud of right. the history that we all, had. Right. If this is the only thing that we're going to be allowed to have, we're going to be the best at it. Right. Absolutely. absolutely. I love that mentality. And if you help them out on the uh, with something that was going on in the kitchen on board the USS Carney, my old ship. 
you got taken care of. <laughs> All of a sudden, there'd be an extra tray, maybe a, you know, something like that would pop off. So it was always good that way. Yeah, but just to recap, I mean, here's a guy that was uh, had to go to a segregated high school, had to drop out of high school to help support the family just due to the economic pressures of the time, uh, tried to sign up for the CCC, which would have offered a little uh, relief to the family uh, and was denied that. Uh, now, finally does sign up with the Navy knowing that he's not going to have any kind of an advancement, that he's going to enter as a messman and he's going to probably stay that for the six years that he signed up because there's no opportunity for advancement if you're going in and that. And then he's sent to a racially segregated boot camp in Norfolk, Virginia. So now, this we- gets fascinating because there is that weird note, the little side note, um, the liner note, if you will, for later on in his career here. But yes, they were doing segregated uh, uh, divisions and boot camps still at this time. Now, he goes for advanced training in Norfolk, which, by the way, if you want to get stationed anywhere in the Navy, it ain't Norfolk. That's the. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I got very, very lucky that I was in Jacksonville, Florida. I'll say that much. What's so bad about Norfolk? Um, have you ever been? No. I don't even know where. Okay. Norfolk, Virginia. So it's right near Virginia Beach. Okay. Um, that doesn't and, sound so bad. Um. Every branch of the military has a major base there, so there's almost always some VIP coming around. And it's a very, very easy drive for anyone from D.C. to come through. So imagine imagine if, uh, you know, your boss was looking down your shoulder and you oh. kind of you're on high alert over there. Uh, oh. Yeah, if they're coming to Jacksonville, we find out. The only time it was a huge It's thing, not fun. Yeah, Tim Tebow would come to town sometimes. That was about it for us down in Jacksonville. <laughs> but... Um, Interestingly enough, though, uh, he will get uh, transferred out to Norfolk, Virginia, and after a few more transfers and some additional training as a secondary battery gun operator, uh, he's actually going to earn the rank of second-class mess attendant Okay, while on board a ship known as the USS West Virginia. It is also worth noting that uh, Dory Miller, this one's kind of cool here, too. Remember we said earlier, he's about uh, six foot three, 200 pounds. Uh, he happens to be... Whether or not he ever had to face anybody or just the fear of facing them made people not want to step <laughs> up. Right. Uh, he was the heavyweight boxing champion of that ship. So every ship would have kind of their champion kind of a thing. And the USS West Virginia, well, they had Dory Miller. Yeah, and then the USS West Virginia was a major ship at the time. I mean, that was a, a battleship. So there was quite a few guys on board. So it wasn't like he was on uh, PT-109 and he had, to beat out, <laughs> he had to beat out, you know, nine other guys. Uh, he had to beat every ba- everybody else in that heavyweight division that was aboard the West Virginia. And I love that we snuck in a way to shit on JFK just now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shitting on. I'm just saying that it's, you know, you could be uh, um, world famous in Poland or you could be uh, world famous worldwide, you know? <laughs> well, uh, to give you guys an idea of what the ship would look like here, this uh, West Virginia, like you said, Dad, absolutely uh, badass ship. Uh, old school World War II battleship. If you've been on a couple Actually, of- it was a World War One battleship. Technically, was, yeah. yeah <laughs> Good catch. We, we haven't entered uh, into World War Two just yet, but... It's still um, the Great War. Yeah, it's it's still <laughs> considered it's still considered uh, you know the pride of the fleet, if you will. That it's one of the badass battleships and uh, big guns, and uh, that was the uh, yeah. If you need the, to know the what military like. thinking at the time is that if you're going to be on a big ship, you're going to be on a battleship because there's not a whole lot at that time that's that's bigger than that. Well, I mean, but uh, it's coming around to the aircraft carriers. Yeah, being it's approaching the, the pride of the fleet. In short, if you want to get an idea what the ship looked like, picture shares if I could turn back time video. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, it. Oh, an image. <laughs> uh, if I could find a way. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, he was uh, king of the ring here, if you will. There's a little Navy tradition known as smokers, which would get uh, two sailors settling their differences in a boxing ring. But Miller is known on board the entire ship for his skills and power in the ring, and he's about to be known for so much more. As per usual, um, I'm sorry, as per his usual duties, uh, Miller will serve breakfast on board the USS West Virginia at 0600 and afterwards uh, begins collecting laundry around uh, uh, well, pretty much almost uh, 0800, but it's not quite then. And the, uh, the world's about to change around this time frame. Dad, you want to set us up for it? Yeah, but uh, Kev, I think some of the listeners might be a little confused with that 0600 shit. I mean, what is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's military time. Yeah. So. Military time for six o'clock in the freaking morning. And it happens to be a Sunday morning, which for a lot of people. Holiday routine. Well, a lot of people at that time who are now serving in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, um, that was pretty much a, a down day. It was a, an easy day or a light duty, lighter duty day. It's known as holiday routine. That's right. what they would call it on right. a Sunday. It was easy like a Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, a couple of minutes before eight, um, the, the world is about to change big time. Uh, and the, the date, December the 7th, 1941, a day that will live in infamy. Someone's going to make a, uh, an audio drop out of my father saying that. <laughs> <It's> a... <laughs> well, when we think of uh, Pearl Harbor, you have to think about it. And don't worry, Dad, we did get the correction on here. My father caught something that I had wrong in the notes. We squared this one up here. Uh, the Japanese aircraft are descending upon the unsuspecting sailors aboard ships in the harbor. The USS West Virginia, Dory Miller's ship, actually gets hit by Japanese torpedoes that are being dropped via aircraft on them, and they are deadly effective. So, as the Navy began its response to the attacks and sounded battle stations, Dory Miller went towards his assigned anti-aircraft battery. But the station had been destroyed already. So, battle stations, for those who don't know, that's where you go and, oh my god, shit's going wrong, well, let's get to our safe space. Holy fuck, there is no safe space. Yeah, um... Again, now, with Dory Miller, his rate is uh, in the mess. So he's serving breakfast, and then he's doing laundry, and then uh, the battle station goes off. Now, for a messman, your battle station was then to go down to the uh, ammunition hold and bring up ammunition to the uh, the gunner's topside. So that was his battle station. He reports to his battle station once that alarm goes off and his battle station just isn't there because it was already blown up by some uh, Japanese uh, torpedoes, now torpedoes that were dropped from a plane. Uh, this was a complete surprise and deliberate attack that the Japanese have been planning for this. Um, Pearl Harbor is a shallow water uh, harbor. Uh, they actually, the Japanese actually had to develop a special torpedo that these planes would be dropping so that they would level off in that shallow water so that they would um, track onto their target. Take out submarines. Off rather than dropping down into, you know, typically before this time, uh, a torpedo dropped from an airplane would have to deep dive before it would level off and, and then come at the ship where the Japanese had uh, perfected this shallow water torpedo that was dropped from an airplane and a devastating effect. I mean, the uh, the Arizona, which was pretty much a, a sister ship, is still a memorial in Pearl Harbor today. That's the, the famous memorial that anybody who's visiting Hawaii should pay tribute to 
um, at the Arizona Memorial. I forget. Have you, you've been to that, right? I have not. That's still on the bucket list. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm getting enough Patreons to sign up, maybe. maybe I believe we'll... my pops actually went there and he told me about it. Yeah. No and shit, He said man. it was crazy because very... the way that they built the memorial is literally like right over the shipwreck. Yeah, you right. can see so it. So like you, you see it. And it is, and then to this day, you can still see bubbles of oil coming up from the from the wreckage. Um, There's uh, some weird superstition that that's uh, that the the souls will finally be at rest of the men lost that day when the oil stops coming up. Right. So yeah. Right. There's... Um, but the Arizona, which is the more famous uh, ship that was lost at the attack on Pearl Harbor was really a, uh, the sister ship to the West Virginia. They were, they were both battleships. Correct. And uh, now, as we said, uh, he tries to get to his uh, battle station, if you will, but it does not exist at the time, all right? It's no longer there. That's how effective these Japanese torpedoes are. And by the way, that little side note that you, my father just went on, that was something that was not in the original script for this episode, but as uh, just two cute kids from Jersey sitting in the back of a pickup truck eating some Sino's pizza. Over here. <laughs> I said, Dad. Fired to tonight's episode. That's right? pretty good. Yeah, let's let's get that in a, you know, a liner note, if you will. Yeah. I mean, the Japanese were planning this um, for at least a year and a half before the actual attack. And again, we're not at war just yet. Um uh, but things are definitely heating up worldwide. The Japanese had signed a uh, an agreement with uh, Nazi Germany um, that they were going to be partners in this, or at least a non-aggression uh, pact, if you will, against each other. Um, and then once the uh, the Japanese decided that they were going to attack and try to not so much a, a knockout blow, but certainly a, a crippling blow to the United States Navy. Um, before now, that would absolutely seal the deal um, that they were at war at that point. And then Franklin Delano Roosevelt was the came up with the famous uh, line in his speech to Congress to asking for a declaration of war that the day the day that you'll live in infamy. Well, uh, before the day can live in infamy, it has to uh, exist, and we're in the thick of it right now here. Uh, Miller will actually relocate to another station. Uh, known as uh, it was the Times Square uh, area. That's kind of where like all the uh, the, the thoroughfares, if you will, uh, and, and walking paths would all kind of uh, conjoin on board one of these old battleships. Because keep in mind, we're not really doing the carrier thing yet. And there's no helicopters really in war yet. So uh, there's no need for a, uh, like what we had, which was uh, you know the helicopter pad, the flight deck. Right. You know, so you didn't really There was no that. flight deck on the, on the West Virginia. Huh? Flight deck. <laughs> yeah. We did have aircraft carriers at this point, but... Um, you know, uh, air warfare is really going to come into its own in, in the Second World War. I mean, it, it had its start in the First World War, but we've come leaps and bounds beyond, beyond uh, you know, Snoopy and the Red Baron uh, say, over the fields of France um, in, uh, in this. I mean, the, the two navies never really came in sight of one another. It was the uh, Japanese aircraft launched off of their aircraft carriers that flew to Pearl Harbor and made uh, two attack runs on Pearl Harbor with, you know, devastating damage. I think that's a, a, a side note on Midway, too, is that the, the ships never actually saw one never another. Never saw one another, right. Wild story there. But our uh, our hero, if you will, uh, our lovable loser and Dory Miller here, he's going to, uh, like we said, relocate to this other uh, station. Now, he reports himself as available for duty, and he begins using his formidable size and strength. Picture him as like Luke Cage. I think that's a, a good comparison. He's a pretty pretty yeah. jack dude here. Uh, he's handling some business, and uh, 
he's actually going to go ahead and uh, starts helping his injured shipmates get to safer parts of the ship. And a communications officer will see this and orders Miller to come with him to the bridge where they get uh, up and personal with the ship's captain, uh, Mervyn Benyon. All right. And uh, Benyon had been wounded. Yeah, wounded severely. Yeah. Um, and that was in, in the first attack that uh, Benyon is uh, severely wounded. And then uh, Miller is ordered to uh, go help help the captain um, and move him to uh, a safer part. But, but Benyon... Uh, refuses uh, to leave the bridge, if you will, that uh, he's mortally wounded, but... Uh, Gaping uh, abdominum, uh, abdomen wound, abdominal yeah, abdominal wound. Abdomen. wound. <laughs> yeah. I said them both. Belly wound. <laughs> yeah, belly. Yeah. Gut shot. Uh, so he's, uh, he's a hurting customer here, but like you said, Dad, he refuses to uh, uh, abandon his post, if you will, and understands the, the nature of what he has to do. So he actually... Uh, Dory Miller and another sailor are going to lift him up via a cot and actually get him uh, down towards, I think, one of the, uh, the the conning towers on the ship. And once they're there, he's continuing, by the way, this captain of the ship, the uh, USS West Virginia. Uh, captain Benyon is still giving orders on how to, you know, make the defenses ready and what we're going to do here. And let me get reports on it. So he winds up dying from that wound. But his entire he winds up getting also the Medal of Honor uh, posthumously, if you will. But uh, he's, uh, he's definitely, I believe they kind of played up a little bit in the, the movie we're going to talk about here in a second, which I'm sure Kahuna's already figured out. Yep. Oh, he just looked at me. He got so annoyed because you can just tell. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Dory Miller is played by. Cuba Gooding Jr. Mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor. In Pearl Harbor. By fucking Michael Bay. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, that might be the loser That's how you qualify for the episode. He should have been the entire focus of that movie i don't need some sort of a, a terrible plot line about uh invented sailors all right i right. got uh we had an actual american hero here you could have made the whole movie about right it. but anyway uh his attention uh is it's uh, obviously what attention can you have as you're dealing with this kind of stuff here the captain is about to die but uh on the conning tower of the west virginia there were two unmanned 50 caliber anti-aircraft guns miller is not familiar with those weapons since they weren't the ones that he'd been trained on but two officers, uh, a uh, Ensign Delano and uh, White, will show him how they operate, and uh, they begin feeding rounds to the guns. So uh, while uh, Delano is uh, Delano, <laughs> um, while his attention is diverted, he looks over and sees that Miller is not only now operating the air- anti-aircraft gun. So Dory Miller's now behind a gun. These ain't squirrels he's taken down out of the sky, right, Dad. Right, and What's he really he didn't have any... The only training that he had was bringing ammunition up from uh, the ammunition magazine and bringing it up topside. He was never really given any kind of formal training behind the gun itself. Now, that's uh, actually... You would think that that would be some sort of a, a, a racial thing or maybe him being a cook and why would you need that? But let me assure you, they still give little to no training on these weapons and just tell you to go for it. So yeah. <laughs> take it from a kid who shot a fifty cal at sea. Now, the military takes, takes it upon himself that he sees um, the one uh, 50 cal going off uh, and he and there's another one that's unoccupied. So, I mean, what the hell? He just jumps in behind that second gun and he starts blazing away because, you know, Japanese uh, planes are still screaming overhead, dropping dropping torpedo bombs, dropping uh, um, um, regular bombs that uh, are going to be uh, – uh, armor-piercing bombs, and uh, the West Virginia is really taking a, taking a number of hits. I think it was seven 
seven torpedoes in all that. Uh, but what's Dory Miller doing? He's is he, blazing is he just, away. Is he just making some noise? Is he going pew pew? Or is he dropping Japanese planes out of the fucking sky? Yeah, he's shooting this 50 cal uh, any aircraft gun. Um, and uh, he's he's blazing away. I mean, um, the line that I, I found that, uh, you know, he's, he's giving them the full 27 feet. Uh, if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you ever hear the term about give them the full nine yards... Well, that's where this comes from because the 50 caliber ammunition was in a long band, a 27 foot long band. So if you're giving somebody the full nine yards, you, <laughs> you're shooting until you don't have any ammunition left. Um, and he did that multiple times. Wow. So uh, he's going to show some natural skill with it. Miller will continue to fire until he's out of ammunition and is officially recognized as having downed two Japanese airplanes that morning by himself. So, yeah. You can. It's a brand new thing to have planes fighting boats, but sometimes the boat gets to fight back. And that's a, <laughs> thanks to good old Dory Miller here. Um, Dory would then move the mortally wounded captain to a safer area of the ship. Uh, again, the second time here. Uh, the Japanese aircraft would hit the West Virginia with more torpedoes, but as the smoke cleared, Dory Miller was still carrying his shipmates to safety. And eventually, when it's time to get men off of the West Virginia, Dory Miller's one of the last guys to get off the boat here. Yeah, research that I found said that he was one of the last of the three men to leave the West Virginia. Uh, and then his, uh, he and his shipmates had to swim 30, 300 to 400 yards to, sh to shore, avoiding patches of uh, flaming oil and uh, wreckage uh, from, from the Arizona and from uh, the various— uh, We just said what a weird thing that is to have a plane fighting a boat, but imagine, oh, my God, I, uh, I, I got burned by water. Because right. the water's on fire. <laughs> You're jumping into the water that's now in flames. And uh, meanwhile, the, the Japanese planes are still strafing uh, with machine gun mm -hmm. fire from overhead. Um, what I had found is that the West Virginia took um, a total of seven torpedoes, one of which did not ignite, and then uh, two, um, two bombs. So it, it, it's severely damaged. Um, but... Um, you know, he is now one of the last to leave the ship. He's helping other wounded sailors to to shore, avoiding burning oil. And um, it was just an absolute total um, horrific scene. Well, the ship was heavily damaged, like we said, but by the uh, use of a technique known as uh, counterbalancing, which is where you will uh, strategically plan to flood other compartments of the ship in order for it to not capsize. Right, so this is something they still train today for damage control school in the United States Navy. Is that uh, pretty much it's like uh, if you're carrying a, a, a dumbbell, you know, you, you favor one side. Well, then you carry the same weight dumbbell on the other side, and then you kind of balance back up in the middle here. So then your knees go out. That's kind of the theory on this one. <laughs> right, right, right. But rather than uh, uh, bending over to one side or whatever, so if the ship had capsized, chances are they would. I mean, it would have been disastrous on top of the disaster it already was. But the idea of using these uh, counterbalancing, flooding the compartments meant that when the ship did sink, that it was going to sink flat, if you will. So it's Evenly, gonna, right. Yep, so it's going to lay down. It, it's just going to look like, you know, it, it sank and now the water's above it instead of underneath it kind of a thing, which is interesting because that meant that the ship could then later be raised and sent back out into In the service. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Again, that was the, that was the uh, thing with Pearl Harbor, that it was a shallow water uh, harbor, if you will. So although this, the West Virginia did sink, because it settled down evenly into the bottom, it was able to be uh, raised uh, 
later in the war and put back into service to go fight go fight another day which is crazy when you think of the technology of the time right i mean i understand that these are warships but when you when you talk about raising one out of the water it's kind of nutty yeah yeah if you ever get a chance to see a ship uh, in the yards um it's one I've of the seen, coolest i've seen them where they're like just like they're not raised up but like you see them completely dry you see the fucking and propellers yes. right it's one of the coolest <sighs> things you can ever see oh Coons just shivered behind the microphone there. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, look up submechophobia and you'll know what bothers Kahuna. Whoa. Yeah. All right. We'll have to find out. Uh, maybe Dr. Tristan Vidrero, uh, as soon as he's done litigating against uh, his case, can take a look into that for us. <laughs> um, now, uh, unfortunately, this, uh, again, like we said, crucial that the, the ship, the counterbalancing works out here. But uh, still, disaster is a disaster. 132 men are killed on board the West Virginia but it could have been many, many more, if not for the heroic actions of a lot of men, including our boy Dory Miller. So his bravery was noticed by many shipmates and officers. The Navy would commend Dory Miller, but without publicly stating his name at first, that it was just an anonymous award was given to a, a, an African-American sailor. Yeah, what? With, within weeks of disaster, weird. within weeks, I mean, again, December 7th, right? So December 7th, 1941, within weeks, there's official reports now, finally, from the Navy uh, public relations officer, and uh, they're saying that uh, those reports reference the activities of an unknown black sailor. That's that's the only line. I shouldn't that be I'm as in. annoyed as I am. But <laughs> no, like, it, it's pretty annoying. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's annoying to whoever you are. Um, that's unbelievable. And then uh, on December 22nd, uh, the New York Times actually printed a, a sketchy description. Um, related to this um, unknown black sailor um, that was manning a machine gun on board. And then finally, uh, on New Year's Day, 1942, so you're going from December 7th to January 1st, on New Year's Day, the Navy releases its list of commendations for heroism at Pearl Harbor. On the list was a single commendation for the still unnamed black sailor. Now, a little bit of pressure gets cranked up here by some of the uh, uh, black organizations and kind of honor societies uh, stateside here. I would I couldn't find a detail of this, but I have to believe that the Prince Hall um, uh, Masons probably would have had something to do with this in terms of putting the word out there. Well, hang on. We're, we're, let's find out more about this guy. All right. Uh, the Navy will eventually because uh, at first I actually want to give him uh, the Medal of Honor. A lot of these uh, uh, African-American honor societies, if you will. They're saying, we want this kid to have the Medal of Honor. And uh, as some had hoped, uh, you know, they, they did want to get him this medal. Um, it would be something that would make history. But uh, he doesn't wind up getting the Medal of Honor, but instead he still makes history by becoming the first black man to receive the Navy Cross. And by the way, when you meet somebody with the U.S. Navy Cross, that's like they have special parking. For, oh, yeah, it's up there with Purple Heart and all this other. I mean, Navy Cross is Hoofah. It's uh, the second highest uh, award that you can be given short of the Medal of Honor. Uh, and actually, the uh, uh, National uh, Association or Organization for Colored People, the NAACP, was very much involved with uh, finding out who this African-American hero was. And there was an um, African-American newspaper called the Pittsburgh Courier that um, really started um, turning up the the public opinion, if you will, as to we have to identify who this uh, black messman uh, is or who this black sailor was. And they finally determined that he was identified as uh, uh, Doris Dory Miller. 
which uh, pretty cool. And it's good that, uh, you know, that they're uh, trumpeting his name and his uh, his deeds, if you will. It's supposed to happen that way, you know. Um, like we said, gets the Navy Cross here. He becomes a recognized and legitimate member of the first heroes of the Second World War. He was awarded the Navy Cross personally by Admiral Nimitz, as in the Nimitz-class destroyers. Yeah, uh, Nimitz was a bad motherfucker in his own right. When and, you get named after a ship class, I'm just... Well, yeah, when yeah, yeah. when a ship class is named after you, I'm going right. to assume you're a badass. Yeah, right. uh, you know what the USS Carney was? A Burke-class destroyer. Get the fuck right. out of here. Actually, you're not Marley Burke. Marley Burke, yeah. Of the uh, the Swiss, not the Irish version. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I mean, once, once they found out... Um, who this uh, unidentified African-American uh, sailor was, there were bills that were quickly introduced in the U.S. House of Representatives and the Senate to award Miller actually the Medal of Honor. They were originally going to, they were trying to award this guy the Medal of Honor. Uh, the argument's there for sure. Uh, absolutely. He was deserving of that. Uh, however, there was a uh, Georgia Democrat by the name of Carl Vincent, who was a staunch segregationist, um, who shot that whole thing down. He also happened to be the House Representative's Chairman of Naval Affairs. What was this dude's name again? Coon is going to go beat him up. <laughs> yeah, go, go piss on his grave or something. Uh, Carl Vincent, V-I-N-S-O-N. He was the true the, American loser of this fucking yeah, episode. Yeah, well, there you go. Good that, point. Uh, he was a, uh, a Southern boy, uh, a longtime representative from the uh, state of uh, Georgia um, that actually uh, denied uh, uh, our boy Miller from receiving the uh, Medal of Honor. And his um, he was seconded, actually, by the Secretary of Navy, William Franklin Knox, um, so... <laughs> Who was actually uh, and the and the congressional delegation from Miller's home state uh, seconded him. So you had some higher ups within the Navy that uh, and Congress people um, that really denied him getting the Medal of Honor, and it was a whole segregationist uh, type of thing. Actually, this guy Carl Vincent is going to make a name for himself a, a little later on in in uh, life. Uh, uh, I don't know any of this. Back in. Uh, 1956. So this is long after, long after the uh, Second World War is over, and uh, this guy is still a representative from uh, the state of Georgia. And apologies to our uh, Georgia listeners, but uh, we're just telling you just the facts, ma'am. Just we're just the facts. reporting the history, right? Um, that uh, he comes up with uh, something that was called the Southern Manifesto, which was pretty much signed by all the Southern Democrats at the time, and it was a uh, countermeasure to oppose uh, racial integration. If uh, you ever heard of the uh, Brown versus the Board of Education, a landmark Supreme <laughs> Court decision in 1954, well, this guy wrote the antithesis uh, of that with this thing called the Southern Manifesto, um, that he was uh, determined that segregation of public schools was unconstitutional. Well, the Supreme Court the Supreme Court decided else otherwise, but uh, Did you hear my father get a Georgia accent for a second there. <laughs> Supreme Court they decided otherwise. <laughs> Jeez, man. No, but uh, uh, obviously uh, Dory is still fighting. Um, you know, whether he knows it or not, whether he knows it or not, on, right? Yeah. There's still a fight going on. Now, when Nimitz gives him the uh, the Navy Cross, by the way, Nimitz has a really cool quote. 
Um, you want to read do you, it? You have the quote? Oh, do you have it? I can, I can come yeah, up read, with read it. Read the exact quote. Give me a. Sunquist family cover your ears. Carl Vincent, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Nimitz was a cool guy. When Nimitz actually gives the Navy cross to Dory, he presents it to him personally. And I believe the quote is something along the lines of... Uh, In an actual ceremony, I hope, not just oh, something totally. like... Good. No, yeah, the, the, if there's anything the military loves, it's a ceremony. They're pretty big on those. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, you got the quote? Uh, I'm still trying to come up with it. I, I have it He's here. not going to find it. If He's I rustle, got this. If I rustle some more papers, I'll be able to find there's it. There's magic in that. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll, um, I'll let you... Bring that up, find that, and then we'll end on that because it's a very uplifting part okay, of the story. Well, I know who I'd cast. Another little interesting yeah, side note, though, is Uh-oh. Nimitz, his home state, Texas, same as Dory. Well, it was either Texas so or he, Jersey. And Nimitz <laughs> is a southern guy making making uh, these kinds of uh, um, announcements. or, or uh, Into the microphone, Larry. No, it's all good. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do two things at once, but... Uh, I got to either rustle papers away from the I'll microphone. Like I said, or you're going to end on this, so relax. Okay. You're going to end on this. I'm going to tell the rest of the story, okay? It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Jeez, man. You threw down the gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> Live family squabbles, right, people. You ahead. can't get this right, on any go. other podcast. Right. Uh, Orange County losers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there were some issues, though. Uh, while other early heroes of the war, including Jersey's own John Bass alone, were sent stateside after heroic endeavors to make the war bond drives and do public affairs work, Dory Miller, while having been promoted and reassigned to another ship, is still working in the mess hall. One paper, I believe it was that Pittsburgh Courier dead, uh, ran a picture of Dory in uniform stating, he fought, keeps mop. As in like, yeah, so this guy fought and downed Japanese planes, saved a bunch of people's lives, but they still have him mopping up a mess hall right now. Yeah, no, Just here, point out this is a mistreatment of a hero. Here's a guy that was a hero from Pearl Harbor and then within... Within weeks, he gets reassigned while everybody else is getting all the glory and everything else. And that whole um, press campaign is going on that we have to find out who this unnamed African-American sailor is. Where does he get assigned? He gets assigned to a heavy cruiser, the Indianapolis. And you might have a little yep. a little brief something to say about what the Indianapolis was uh, instrumental in. Um Maybe in a movie. Maybe in another episode, Dad. <laughs> in another episode. Oh. Maybe, let's not give away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you don't know about the USS Indianapolis, you should. All right. Also, check out uh, my episode of History Hyenas with uh, my pal Krista, uh, Krista Stefano and uh, Giannis Pappas. Uh, they had me on this show to talk about uh, the USS Indianapolis. That's on YouTube right now if you search for that. That being said, you can see a very pudgy KP back then, too. Um, but, again, these issues that are going on here, the intention was – for people wanted to ask, why is this genuine American hero being kept to such simple duties when he could be being used as a symbol for the war effort? There's African Americans fighting in uh, you know World War II here. Why are we not? Uh, I mean, this would be a rallying cry for everybody. You want to get black people can buy war bonds too, all right? Jordan said Republicans uh, can buy sneakers. Black people can buy war bonds, all right, man. There's a whole Our Boys book of uh, the Armenian guy sent over there too. I mean, like it, it's a, a thing of pride to right. be able to send your boys off to war. As fucked up of a notion as that is, but anyway. Before well, I- part of that too is the whole groundswell of emotion. I mean, when when the Twin Towers was attacked, I mean, <laughs> America never waved so many flags um, when we were attacked. Well, that was even multiplied to the nth degree. Um, 
with uh, post uh, World post Pearl Harbor. Post so, Pearl I mean, Harbor, yeah, there I were mean, kids who tried to join the military, found out they were four F, and committed suicide out of shame because right. they couldn't join. Four so. F meant meant that you were not fit for uh, um, military service. Yeah. Mind blowing shit. Yep. But wow. uh, Dory Miller was fit for service. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, they put, him, they put him, you know, as, in a matter of weeks, they reassigned him to a, to another ship. But that's where that whole line came, that other people are getting awards. Uh, uh, Dory Miller gets a mop. Yeah. That, he's, which, gonna, he's still going to be cleaning up the, the mess. So before Thanksgiving of that year, Miller is finally sent out as part of the war bond um, efforts, if you will, on a bit of a tour. OK, so he's like, oh, I got upcoming dates here. I'll be at Side Splitters in Tampa with Bobby, you know, that kind of a thing. But he's giving out presentations in California, his home state of Texas, and he also gets a chance. This was really cool, uh, just for me, my, my personal. He also gets to speak to uh, the black sailors that are graduating out of my former home, the Great Lakes Naval Station, just out of uh, Chicago, Illinois, outside of Chicago, Illinois, I should say. So he gets a chance to speak to uh, you know some of the hey, guys. This is what it is. Um, I mean, because you can't help it when you meet somebody who's been there and done that, and you're in boot camp. You're a very, very impressionable kid. You're just looking for somebody who's like, man, this guy actually went out there and did it. That's pretty cool. So now you have this guy, this American hero, Dory Miller, speaking to you, and he looks like you, and there's a connection, man. There's right. undeniable on that. Yeah, the, now for the first time, too. I mean, uh, Dory Miller was the first uh, African-American to receive the Navy Cross, and, and now things are beginning um, to open up a little bit that um, – African-Americans can now join the Navy and get become eligible for other uh, duties other than the messmen. So there's now new, newer opportunities for incoming recruits um, because of what uh, Dory Miller did for us in, in Pearl Harbor. Totally. By his example. Now, uh, after his tour for the war effort, Miller will be assigned to the USS Liscombe Bay, uh, the flagship ship to a carrier group. By the way, when something is the flagship, that means that the admiral who's in charge of everybody else is a. That's the ship that he's on. So if you had like six ships out there, and we had the the USS uh, Kahuna was the uh, the, the flagship, mm -hmm. that would mean that the admiral, which would be you, would be on board on that, that ship. ship. Exactly. So it's the it's the it's like. It's it's the main location basically. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely because um, that's why they call it the flagship stores when like like cause, yes cause, oh good point because like I, point. I've heard that word before so right. it's like oh, okay that's the 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 group leader yeah um yeah so he gets assigned uh, to that ship which is a uh, a small aircraft carrier yeah and uh, now we we got to land this plane pun intended um, so we're gonna be out of here in about a, a another minute or two. But uh, like we said, he gets a station at the Liscombe Bay, which is a flagship to the carrier group. Uh, Miller will again see action against the Japanese in the Gilbert Islands campaign, all right, the Gil Gilbert Island operations. So uh, in short, Dad, give us like 30 seconds or so right, just to quick. explain that. Yeah, because then we got to say right. the, the other part, and then I want to hear who Cahoons is going to cast in the movie about this guy. Well, he's aboard the Liscombe Bay, which is a small – uh, carrier. It's not an attacked carrier. It's a uh, it's a transport carrier, if you will. It's got planes on it, but it's a relatively small uh, aircraft carrier. But there's a number of them. They were quickly manufactured uh, in the war effort, um, and now they're attacking um, the uh, the islands, the Gilbert Islands. The whole idea was 
We're not going to go into every Japanese-held island and fight them piecemeal, you know, island by island by island. It's going to be way too costly. What we're going to try to do is a, a, a strategy called island hopping, that we're going to attack an island, we're going to take it over, we're going to establish an air base there, and then from that island we can hop over some of the other ones and just kind of starve them out, cut off their supply lines, and we're going to hop over that and to the next group of islands. And the South Pacific is... Uh, full, or even the, the Central Pacific is full of all these different various islands. The Gilbert Islands was the first step in this whole island hopping campaign. Um, they were attacking this. The Marines went into a little island called Tarawa, which was a, a huge Marine battle, very costly. And the Army was given the assignment of the, the Macon Atoll. Now, an atoll was just little spit of spit of land but if it's big enough to carry an airport um, it's someplace that we can land planes um, this carrier group um, is now in support of the land forces so you got battleships that are bombarding the thing you've got some of these smaller aircraft aircraft carriers like the Liscombe Bay that are flying uh, aerial support to the to the ground troops um, but this is a huge force. I mean, there's hundreds of these ships um, going at this whole thing. And surrounding the Liscombe Bay was supposedly a number of different destroyers. Two of them peeled off. In other words, they're, they're making concentric circles, if you will, around these various aircraft carriers. Our, our man, Dory Miller, is, on the, is serving on the Liscombe Bay along with the carrier group admiral, the, mm -hmm. the, the main cheese. So this is a pretty important ship. To be, you don't want your, uh, your flagship to be uh, taken out. Two of these battleships, excuse me, two of these destroyers that are supposed to be guarding the, the carriers pull off, and now there's an opening in the, in, the, in the circle, if you will, and a Japanese submarine comes in fires four torpedoes, one of which hits the Liscombe Bay. And unfortunately, that one torpedo that hit the Liscombe Bay hit their, their magazine. And all the, uh, all the armament, all the fuel, the airplane fuel, the, uh, the ammo. The bomb hit the else. bomb. Right. The bomb, <laughs> Perfect, yeah. the bomb hit the bomb, and the thing was blown up. And in a matter of 23 minutes, the Liscombe Bay sank to the bottom with uh, one of the greatest naval disasters um, as far as loss of life was concerned um, that um, I believe the numbers, there were 900 men on board, 600 were, uh, over 600 were killed. Not, not killed and wounded, I mean outright killed. Uh, and Dory, Dory Miller was mm -hmm. one of the ones that... Um, Dory Miller's body was never found. Um, so about a year and a day later, he was declared legally dead. Uh, so and it, they'd had a whole uh, ceremony for him and everything like that. I believe he was buried with full military honors, justifiably so. So that's a little bit depressing here, kind of just like John Bassalone, if you guys know that story. Uh, John Bassalone was uh, the hero of Guadalcanal, and then he winds up dying on the beaches of Iwo Jima after a whole bond, war bond effort. Same thing with Dory Miller here. The hero of Pearl Harbor winds up dying. Uh, in these Gilbert Island operations. And it's um, it's tragic, man. Absolutely uh, a, a tragedy considering the high regard he is now held uh, by the United States military. And uh, 
there is something. Uh, I'm going to set you up for the the Nimitz quote here in a second, but. Uh, well, I better I better go find it again then. Did really? I can't even tell if you're <laughs> messing with me page. now. <laughs> well, let's just say uh, Cahoon's will be a great way to honor uh, Dory Miller. I got it with the United States Navy. Name a ship after him. Yeah, there's going to be a ship. I believe it's in the process of being made now. Uh, yeah, well, actually, oh, he, just now he mm-hmm. did. He did have a uh, a ship named after him, a smaller, I believe, uh, destroyer class. Um, but uh, it was announced in uh, 2020 um, that uh, there's going to be a nuclear uh, aircraft carrier named the uh, Dory Miller. Uh, Pretty cool. That's the way to honor somebody. Yeah. The same thing with the the one of the you're talking about a sister ship, if you will. The uh, I was on guided missile destroyer 64, the USS Kearney. One of our uh, sister ships, if you will, was the USS Cole which was uh, obviously a pretty famous ship in uh, Navy history, as well as the uh, USS The Sullivans, which was uh, my buddy Matt was on that ship. Right. And, uh, it's named after the, uh, the the perished Sullivans. But uh, I'm pretty excited about that one here. Uh, Cahoon's, I'm almost ready for your casting couch here. LP, send us off on a positive note here, though, with this Nimitz quote. Uh, the Nimitz quote. Upon uh, giving Dory Miller the Navy Cross. Yeah, it was awarded marks the first time in this conflict that such a high tribute has been made in the Pacific Fleet to a member of his race. And I'm sure that the future will see others similarly honored for brave acts. That was by uh, Admiral Nimitz uh, on the, upon the awarding of the Navy Cross to uh, Dory Miller. Um, what I also um, thought was a little bit spooky um, that after the uh, Liscombe Bay went down, initially uh, two-thirds of the crew were listed as presumed dead. I mean, when the whole thing blows up, they had over 200,000 pound, uh, pounds of ordnance that were, were blown up at the time when the torpedo hit. Um, the crew was lit, two-thirds of the crew, 600 people were listed presumed dead. Dory's parents were informed that he was missing in action on December 7th, 1943. Oof. So two right, years good. two years after Pearl Harbor, that's when his parents finally are informed that, um, you know, he's missing in action. It's a brutal one on that. Uh, his story's great, though. The guy's absolutely worth knowing. True, legit American hero. I, I wish more people knew about him. Again, a little bit of a loser because although he's the best part of the Pearl Harbor movie— that movie has to uh, play fast and loose with some facts and some weird romanticized stories. When you could have just told us the story of Dory Miller, and we probably would have been okay with it. Yeah. I don't even think that like anything that you've said about him to me it doesn't even qualify as loser at all. Like I wouldn't even say it. I as you said earlier, it's the time that was the loser. Carl Vincent can go fuck himself. Uh, <laughs> put that on a t-shirt, uh, and that's really it, man. Like. Uh, again, I would those rock that T-shirt. Show, by the way, <laughs> no one would understand what it meant, but yeah, I would. Yeah, it's right. Feel great. It's uh, it's one of those things too, where uh, the the fact that he's not being celebrated. Uh, I mean, th- there's obviously big headliners for Black History Month. This guy should be, uh, you know, included in that that uh, upper echelon of uh, of American heroes you can look up to and sit there and be like, this guy, he, he reads like a fucking comic book, all right. He's kind of wild. Now, now, if you were to make a movie about him, uh, who would you be casting, Cahoons? All right, I got, I got three choices because I, like I 
and they're not no they're not as known. It's Eddie Murphy playing every role in the- <laughs> God damn. Well, there's American Loser, folks. Uh, a- <laughs> make sure KP plugs his dates. Uh oh. no, so the who I cast first, uh I went with Ray Fisher. Ray Fisher plays uh Cyborg in the newer Justice League Interesting. movies. I I feel like he could really do the role justice because I feel like I would like that superhero energy in the role. Uh, another pick that I had had was, uh, was an actor named Winston Duke. The problem was with casting this dude is that he, he died so young. So that kind of limits the pool, but at the same time, definitely artistic liberties. So, I mean, Winston Duke, uh, he was the, the lead in, uh, Jordan Peele's us, he was also in Black Panther. He was uh, he was the leader of the rival tribe that ended up becoming like friends with T'Challa towards the end of the movie. Spoilers, um, as well as a couple of other flicks here and there. Made a couple of appearances in TV, and then uh, I forget what my third one was because I fucking deleted the link. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We're gonna go with those two because I I actually oh. The other one, the last one, John Boyega. John, oh, I actually know him. Yeah, John yeah, Boyega yeah. played Finn in the newer Star Wars trilogy. He looks like him a little bit in the face because the actual Dory Miller looks like. Uh, there's he, there's an old there's a look. There is yeah. That's because so, sometimes it's like you can either go for the look or ta- cast on talent alone. That's kind of I went more on talent, but like John Boyega has the look and the talent, so I think that's also who I think. If it came down to the wire, that's who I would pick. It would work. I'm going to show uh, LP a picture of uh, the two of them side by side here. Uh, that being said, we are going to wrap this one up. So, guys, if you want to hear an episode next week, you got to jump over to the Patreon. Do me a favor. Just jump on. $3 a month. That's all it is. We got a special thing. Actually, Ming Chen himself has said he's going to be the guest for that one. We have a special topic Ooh, in wow. mind, sir. And uh, also, we're going to be doing a crossover episode with my good buddy, Ken Krantz. Uh, he's got a great show called I Love Rock and Roll. We're going to finally do a crossover episode, which the idea for came from behind the ones and twos. Cahoons himself is going <laughs> to put that one together. Uh, that being said, this one's going to come out. I do want to promote a couple of dates here, though, if I can. Uh, June 11th, I'll be up at Laugh It Up in Poughkeepsie, New York, with my great buddy, Mike Cannon, who's been on this show. He's on our YouTube on the MK Ultra episode. Then on the 12th, I'll be at... Uh, uh, I'm with Bobby Kelly again in uh, Napanock, New York, at a place called, uh, I believe it's called the Paper Mill. Is what they're going by over there now. Um, so that one's pretty cool. Uh, check out, I got other dates and stuff like that coming up as well. Uh, it's not just those two. Those are the two that are jumping out in my head here. Got something really big cooking for September. Pretty excited about it. Um, and then hopefully there's uh, going to be some news coming down the pipeline too about uh, November. And uh, also I'm going to be doing a Bay Window uh, somewhere in Bergen County, right, Dad? We got something. <laughs> there you go. Wow. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. High man. performance glass and everything. Exactly. <laughs> but no, that's going to be a good one. Uh, this episode's going to come out tomorrow, so you guys, uh, no one will be there in time to see me over at Tap House uh, 15 in Jefferson. But it is what it is. LP, anything you want to say to the people at home? Uh, just that uh, you know, Dory was denied the Medal of Honor I, at least four times that his name was put forth for the Medal of Honor. Uh, never really happened. They did put a postage stamp out for him, but uh, it was not until January 19th of 2020. So, I mean... It would be great if you could have made now. that Carl Vincent guy uh, use a Dory Miller stamp to send stuff. <laughs> that would be <laughs> a good go. ironic punishment. Uh, but the Navy did announce that uh, Gerald R. Ford-class nuclear-powered aircraft carrier will be named the Miller the ship is scheduled to be laid down in 2023 and launched in 2028. So um, 
you're going to be pretty badass to get a a, a nuclear powered aircraft. I want to see the uh, you know. Yeah, I want to see the uh, the christening ceremony for that one. That'll be pretty cool. So we'll follow up on that one. Maybe we'll have to do an addendum down the road here. But if you guys enjoy the show, please consider checking us out over on Patreon. If you can't afford that, we totally get it. Maybe just go leave us a written review over on iTunes. Check us out at, at American Loser Podcast over on Instagram, American Loser Podcast over on Facebook. I'm at KP Burke Sucks on Instagram, KP Burke over on Facebook. My dad's Adele Cahoon is the man. And guys, that was Dory Miller, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. American loser the day I was born An American loser the day I was born